Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Interplus Corporation Q3 2020 Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question-and-answer session. If at any time during this call you require assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Friday, November 6, 2020. I'd now like to turn the conference over to Drew Mayer. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining the call. Before we get started, please take note of the advisories located at the end of today's news release. Our financials have been prepared in accordance with U.S. GAAP. All discussion of production volumes today are on a gross company working interest basis, and all financial figures are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise specified. I'm here this morning with Ian Dundas, our President and Chief Executive Officer, Jody Jensen-Labrie, Senior VP and Chief Financial Officer, Wade Hutchings, Senior VP and Chief Operating Officer, Shana Morihira, VP Finance, and Garth Dahl, VP Marketing. Following our discussion, we will open up the call for questions. And with that, I will turn it over to Ian. Thank you, Drew. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. I'll begin by covering a few of the highlights from our third quarter results, and then spend some time talking about our outlook for the rest of the year, as well as some preliminary thoughts as we prepare for 2021. But before I begin, I would like to just take a moment to thank our staff and our strategic partners both in the field and at the corporate level for all of their support and dedication during this very complicated time. Despite the environment that we all find ourselves in, Interplus continues to execute its business plan in a safe and environmentally responsible manner. I thank you all. While it was a relatively quiet quarter in terms of capital activity, our teams are continuing to respond to the environment through enhancing our operational efficiencies, driving down per unit cost, and maximizing margins. Additionally, our solid execution this year has helped drive production outperformance in the Bakken with our current forecast well above our previous guidance. This strong performance translated into several key highlights in the third quarter, including generating $48 million in free cash flow with visibility to continuing free cash flow in the fourth quarter, increasing the midpoint of our annual production guidance by 1,500 BOE per day, reducing our capital spending outlook to $295 million from $300 million previously, and reducing our cash cost guidance by a combined 45 cents per BOE, further supporting our margins. <clears throat> Looking at the upcoming fourth quarter, we expect our liquids production to average between 47,000 to 49,000 barrels per day, Declines from the third quarter due to the limited capital activity this year in response to the oil price weakness. Turning to 2021, the same principles that have historically guided our strategy remain foundational today, namely maintaining balance sheet strength, returns-based capital allocation, and a focus on shareholder returns. Based upon our current commodity price view, our preliminary outlook for next year sees us stabilizing production with line of sight to generating free cash flow. Specifically, we would expect to execute a maintenance capital plan, which would keep our production largely flat to 
to the midpoint of our expected fourth quarter 2020 volumes of approximately 86,000 BOE per day, including 48,000 barrels per day of liquids. Importantly, our capital plans to sustain our base production are supported by robust economic returns at current prices. The capital spending associated with this plan is approximately $300 million and includes drilling capital that would set us up for a similar maintenance capital estimate in 2022. This capital plan is expected to be fully funded, including the dividend at around $40 WTI. And obviously at higher prices, we see incremental free cash flow, which we will prioritize to further strengthen our balance sheet and return cash to our shareholders. We do not see a price signal to grow production currently. We would need to see WTI prices somewhere in the high 40s to 50s before we would consider some level of growth. That said, we are constructive on the outlook for all prices. The implications for supply, given the lack of investment, is important to bear in mind. Today, demand is driving the uncertainty, but the market will come back into balance. We believe it is just a question of timing. And in a higher price environment, we anticipate meaningful free cash flow generation. In a $50 West Texas environment, we would have significant optionality to further enhance the balance sheet, increase cash returns to shareholders, and pursue additional growth opportunities. As you look across the EMP landscape, a new paradigm has taken hold where unsustainable strategies of pursuing excessive and uneconomic production growth are no longer being supported. It is our belief that this change will endure and that we are dealing with a truly new dynamic. There's no question that a growing business is better than one that is treading water or shrinking, but sustainable growth is an outcome of full cycle economic returns and needs to be managed thoughtfully to support longer term business sustainability. This means that at even higher commodity prices, we expect the sector to grow at more moderate rates prioritizing the generation of free cash flow and more financial resilience. We will provide more formalized guidance for 2021 later this year or early next year, but in summary, we, may, we remain well positioned to navigate volatility, and we believe that we offer high-quality, low-risk exposure to potential price recovery and reasonable returns in the current market. Now I'll turn the call over to Jody, who will update you on some financial highlights. Jody? Thanks, Ian. Starting with cash generation, our adjusted fund flow for the third quarter was $83 million, which fully funded our capital spending requirements and generated $48 million of free cash flow. Our earnings in the quarter were impacted by non-cash impairments to our property, plant, and equipment, totaling $257 million. The property plant and equipment impairment was driven by the decline in the trailing 12-month average prices for oil and natural gas as defined under U.S. generally accepted accounting principles. Interplus continues to have significant liquidity consisting of $85 million of cash on hand and $600 million U.S. of undrawn capacity on our bank credit facility at the end of September. Our net debt to adjusted funds flow ratio continues to be 1.0 times at September 30th, which has not changed from June 30th. Moving on to our oil realizations in the Bakken, our differential averaged $5.37 US 
per barrel below WTI in the third quarter. About a dollar per barrel wider compared to the prior quarter, largely due to the uncertainty following a district court's order in early July for the Dakota Access Pipeline to cease operations. In early August, the appeals court granted the pipeline owner's request for a stay over the district court's order. As a result, there is no outstanding court order in place requiring the pipeline to shut down at this time, and the legal process is ongoing within both the district court as well as the appeals court. We continue to forecast a realized Bakken differential of $5 US per barrel below WTI for 2020. Now turning to the Marcellus. Regional natural gas prices were particularly weak during the third quarter, especially in September and October and continuing into the early part of November. This is a result of nearly full regional storage combined with low demand during the shoulder season. As a result, our realized Marcellus sales price differential widened to average 72 cents US per MCF below NYMEX during the quarter. We have seen price-related production curtailments in the Marcellus due to continuing price weakness and expect some level of curtailments to continue here in the fourth quarter until cash prices strengthen. Given the wide third quarter Marcellus basis and current ongoing weakness, we are adjusting our full-year 2020 guidance for Marcellus price differentials to $0.60 cents US per MCF below NYMEX from $0.45 cents US per MCF previously. We do, however, remain constructive on natural gas prices heading into winter, and our Marcellus position provides a valuable and underappreciated option on the strong outlook for natural gas prices next year. Assuming a normal winter season, we expect to see a differential to NYMEX in the minus 40 cent per MCF range for 2021. Moving on to our expenses, as Ian noted, we've seen cash costs continue to trend down across the board and have lowered our 2020 guidance for operating costs, transportation, and G&A by a total of 45 cents per BOE, further supporting our resiliency in this low price environment. We have added to our commodity hedging position in 2021 and currently have 10,000 barrels per day of WTI three-way callers at approximately 32 by 41 by $51 US per barrel for the first half of next year. We have also swapped 40 million cubic feet per day of natural gas for the summer 2021 gas season, which is April through October at just under $3 US per MCF. And with that, I will turn it over to Wade. Thanks, Jody, and good morning, everyone. We had limited capital activity during the third quarter with no operated drilling or completions in North Dakota. However, the teams did an excellent job safely restoring our previously curtailed volumes and protecting the integrity of our production through workover activities. Having restored curtailed production early in the quarter, our third quarter liquids volumes were up 9% from the second quarter. In terms of rest of year activity, from an operated perspective, we are completing four ducks in the fourth quarter in North Dakota. In addition to this, we expect a slight uptick in non-operated activity in both North Dakota and the Marcellus. As we have previously highlighted, we've seen a step change in our well cost performance this year in North Dakota. Our latest view is that total well costs this year have averaged US $6.4 million, 
which is a very meaningful U.S. $1.2 million structural reduction to our 2019 average. These capital cost reductions have been driven by solid planning and execution, which, when coupled with technology application, has driven a con continuing trend of improved drilling and completion cycle times. The improvements we've delivered on our well costs have helped support our reduced capital spending guidance this year, now at $295 million. Turning briefly to 2021, our preliminary operating plan will once again be largely focused on the Bakken, where we expect to enter the year with a 29 gross, 23 net well duck inventory. Our maintenance capital outlook would see us completing ducks and reinitiating drilling during the year to provide an inventory of wells to complete in 2022. We will remain mindful of commodity prices and have the flexibility to adjust our capital plans next year as needed. Lastly, I will wrap up with a few ESG comments. Safety performance year-to-date has been exceptional. In fact, the last 15 months have seen our best safety performance ever as a company. I would like to thank our employees and partners for their focus and efforts to operate safely amidst the uncertainty of 2020. As noted in our recent ESG report, we anticipate 2020 corporate GHG emissions intensity to be 20 to 25% lower year over year. This has been driven by a step change in our North Dakota flaring intensity, resulting from both improved operational planning and lower basins completions activity. The report also highlights our efforts to reduce use of fresh water in our stimulation activities, and we project to finish the year using a bit more than 20% produced water per stimulation in North Dakota, ahead of our published target. Our ESG strategy continues to deepen and has become an integrated element of our operations planning. I'll leave it there and we'll turn the call over to the operator and open it up for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. There seem to be no questions at this time. Okay, well, thanks, operator. And, oh, it does look um, like a few have uh, popped in now. Your first question okay, comes so from Jared Edelin with South Dakota Investment Office. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for the, the call today and the questions. Um, could you just touch on uh, briefly, Ian you, Ian, you mentioned the dynamic of companies trying to um, or existing in a new paradigm. And you, you're focused on a flat production uh, next year, but what price signal would you need to have in order to have a declining production? I.e., when you, when you talk about completing wells into a very weak commodity price sub $40 today with a wide differential, you know, what, what's the strategic rationale for continuing to um, keep production flat and, and what would you need to do to, to change that? Morning, Jared. Thank you for the question. It's great. You know, so the, 
for us, it's economics and it's affordability. I mean, that really drives decision making. And we at the at the current Ford market, you know, partially supported by our hedge book, we see uh, robust go forward economics uh, from our our duck inventory and highly affordable. Um, the I guess the good news from a market perspective, it also sets up a free cash flow dynamic as well. So I think that's pretty easy in our in our opinion. You know, we're, so how low would things go? You know, where those conditions would change. You know, if you're much under 40, the free cash flow isn't there. You know, does that matter very much? Probably not so much at the margins because you still have economics that are supporting the program. You know, I think as you start getting into the mid 30s, you start questioning whether you're just being wasteful, perhaps. Um, so I, I think as you start falling sort of meaningfully below 40, mid 30s, um, I think you start to really think about it again. Great, great, thank you. Thanks so much. Best of luck. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Your next question comes from Greg Party with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. You know, we we, we couldn't let you guys go that easily. So, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> look, a couple, a couple of questions. I guess the first one is, is you know, I, I know nothing's fully baked at this point, but in the context of a $300 million capital program um, for next year, how, how much of that would likely go to the Marcellus? And, and maybe can you talk a bit about just how much you need to spend there? I mean, I know a lot of, you know, it's mostly non-op. I get it. Uh, but just curious as to what the spending might be on gas. Yeah, I, you know, I'll turn that over to, to Wade to give you a little bit of color. It, 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 it is all non-operated with a couple of partners dominating it, one in particular. Wade, do you want to give Greg a little bit of color on what we see there? Yeah, happy to. Good morning, Greg. Um, you know, of course, this is all preliminary at the moment, but, you know, this year we've had, you know, roughly 15% of the capital pointed at the Marcellus. In 2021, we wouldn't see that materially change. It might be up just a little bit. Um, and so, you know, to your broader question, you know, when we look at kind of what it takes to sustain kind of production or uh, um, kind of at a flat level, you know, we, we typically look at um, a similar pace of activity that we've, we've seen even this year. But, um, you know, if you look at somewhere in the order of, um, you know, 40-ish million dollars of capital, uh, net capital on our part, that typically drives enough activity to keep our, our net production roughly flat. Okay, and that's 40 Canadian. Correct. Okay, okay, terrific. Thank you for that. Um, second is is a is another broader question, but um, just with everything occurring, I mean, we it's not unusual for you to get a question in around the landscape for acquisitions and and just what all of that looks like. Just any any thoughts there? And and again, the focus, I guess, would really be the Bakken. Yeah, not not a lot's happened directly in the Bakken. Um, you know, there there has been um, quite uh, quite a change in some of the. the Participants in the Bakken, a series of restructurings that have um, that have occurred there, um, publicly and privately. You know, if you if you step back, you know, we're 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 starting to see certainly a lot of conversations, M and A broadly, and um, you know, I, I think that's uh, I think that's a necessity. 
Um, I think it's going to continue. I think it's going to continue throughout the U.S. and I think it's going to continue into Canada. You know, that fight for scale and for, um, I guess, for relevancy, uh, they're powerful forces. And, you know, I guess from an enterprise perspective, we see the benefits in, in well-considered, uh, well-executed transactions. Some pretty simple principles, though, I think are critical to main, keep, in, keep in focus. Um, maintaining a strong balance sheet, um, real and, and logical operating and corporate synergies, um, maintaining a shareholder-centric perspective with sensible and accretive outcomes for all shareholders. And I think if you put all that together and you end up with a resulting business that's more sustainable with strong governance, I think those kinds of things are, are going to be supported. Um, you know, there's, there's been a bit of a question about building scale for the sake of scale. You know, it generally hasn't been a successful strategy, even though we do see benefit in the right kind of scale. So, you know, uh, would I anticipate things opening up in North Dakota? I, I would. You know, the, the volatility has been <laughs> pretty profound, which, um, you know, makes it harder for things to come to fruition. A bit of the uncertainty around DAPL is, you know, throwing a unique dynamic into the market out there. But, um, you know, I, I, I think the pace of activity is going to continue, and I think it's just going to be a, a trend that we're going to be talking about for a long time. Thanks very much. Thanks, Greg. Your next question comes from Patrick Overk with ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. Good morning. Um, I know you just touched on the uncertainty around DAPL. I was wondering if you could give us an update kind of where that process stands, what the timeframes are. Um, I know you're not fully exposed to the pipeline, but uh, what maybe if you can quantify again for us uh, what the risk could be uh, and what the upside could be in, in 2021 there with uh, respect to differentials in the Bakken. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate the question. Uh, I think, uh, Jody, do you want to uh, start this? Yeah, sure. Good morning. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, we're not directly involved in the, the DAPL process or the legal process, so we can't really comment on steps and timelines and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, what it means for us is, you know, if DAPL continues to um, operate, we can see uh, differentials in the basin in that $3-ish range. Um, we see supply declining, um, and so there's going to be uh, the ability to use pipe to clear the basin. Um, if DAPL does end up getting shut down, we have quantified that. So in the context of a full-year shutdown, that would equate to about $0.80 cents on a per BOE corporate um, net back that it would cost us, and differentials could be in that 6 to $8 range for the Bakken production. Okay, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star 1. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Okay. Well, thank you to everyone that joined the call today. Appreciate your interest, and um, have a great day and a great weekend. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.